Children are dismissed to junior church at this point. So as they are dismissed to junior church, and some of them are running out to junior church, so they're excited to go. Uh, We are going to be going to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 today. And I just want to thank Steve for that extra chorus of Amazing Grace. My chains are gone with what he shared before. Sometimes it helps to have that reminder and, and, and even sing out to the Lord, I'm surrendering surrendering to the Lord. And we can do that as we come together as a church family. And I hope, you know, you uh, feel comfortable doing that and compelled to do that and convicted to do that. And if there's anything I can do to help, you know, never hesitate to ask. We're going to go to Romans 5. So we talked last week about justification. Last week. And justification, as a reminder, means to be declared righteous. We are declared righteous in God's Sight. We are declared righteous. God talks to us and sees us and looks upon us as he would his very own son, Jesus. Isn't that powerful? Declared righteous. We have a relationship with God just like Jesus has a relationship with God. We can go boldly, Hebrews says, boldly to the throne of grace because of Jesus' blood on the cross. Recall that justification gives us complete forgiveness. And also gives us righteousness. Uh, several years ago, I, we, Megan and I ended up at her parents' house. We went from our home in Cincinnati up to Dayton where they lived. And it was a fall afternoon. And I don't know if the plan was that I was going to help with roofing that day. But somehow, I ended up helping with roofing. And I don't know why because we were already married. I already had their hand her hand in marriage but that's what good son-in-laws do right and so uh, except he wasn't even helping but either way me and a couple other neighbor kids were stripping roofing off a house and if you've ever done that that is really hard work and so many times whenever I see people roofing a house or stripping roofing I think thank you Lord for your different calling in my life no I'm just kidding It is hard, hard work. And I tip my hat to all the roofers out there and those that can do that work. That's hard work. And so we were stripping old roofing off a house. And I think it had a couple layers of roofing. And we're using the roof rakes and stuff like that and trying to strip the roofing off and get in a pile. And we went out to dinner afterwards. And later on, I noticed the shoes that I was wearing were sticky on the bottom. And as I understand, it's from that bottom coating of the roof tar that had melted from the sun of the heat and it got on the shoes. And I liked that pair of shoes. I, I don't know why I wore a pair of shoes that I liked to, to roof because I guess I'm ignorant of those things. And I liked those pair of shoes. So for a few weeks, I thought, how do I get this roof tar off the bottom of these shoes? Until I called the, the man, a great man who was my youth pastor, would do roofing as side jobs. And in fact, I had done a little bit of roofing with him on a mission trip before. And I called him and asked him about it. He said, well, you can take gasoline and rub that gasoline on the bottom of those shoes and that'll get that tar off. And I did that. And the shoes were like new again. Now, interesting comparison here. You're wondering why, why are you sharing this story? Here's the comparison. The... The roof tar incident still happened in space and time. It still happened to those shoes. But the gasoline took care of the damage. The gasoline made them clean. The gasoline justified them, so to speak, declared them righteous by my standard. The gasoline did that. The gasoline took care of that. And I could keep wearing those shoes off and on for different tasks until they were worn out in other ways. In justification, we are forgiven. 
We receive Christ's righteousness. We are forgiven and actually we receive Christ's righteousness. Our sins still happen in space and time. But Jesus forgives us and because of Jesus we are forgiven and we receive his righteousness. We still sinned, but we are right with God because of Jesus. There are two results of justification that the Bible talks about. Two results of justification that the Bible talks about. One is peace with God. And the second is reconciliation with God. I want to talk about those, through those two things today. Peace with God and reconciliation with God. And those two things go together. Because we are justified, because we are declared righteous, which happens because of Jesus' death on the cross, because of, those two, of, of, of our justification, we have peace with God and reconciliation with God. And that is powerful. That's why we can go to the throne of grace. That's why we can go to the throne of God with great boldness. Because the gasoline, so to speak, of Jesus' blood on the cross wipes our sins away. I want to read Romans 5, 1 through 11. Then we're going to talk about peace with God and reconciliation with God. So please turn in your Bibles if you haven't or, or, or in the sermon notes if you follow along there. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that means declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Stop right there. We have been justified by faith, so we have peace with God. How do we get that peace with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now verse 2. Through him, that's still talking about Jesus, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand access and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of god not only that but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us verse six for while we were still weak at the right time christ died for the ungodly for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person would dare even, one would dare even to die. But God, I love that. Those are the two most powerful words if you remember Rusty's message. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified, there's that word, been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him. From the wrath of God. Verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In verses 10 and 11, reconciled or reconciliation is used three times. That means it's pretty important. Three times reconcile or reconcile. And in verse 1, peace. We have peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace in verse 1. Reconciled in verses 10 and 11. Justified throughout here. We have peace with God and reconciliation with God. When we are reconciled, we can't have peace, right? My theme today is that we have peace with God and reconciliation with God. We have peace with God and reconciliation with God. First, in verse 1, 
We see, because of our justification, we have peace with God. Because of being justified, declared righteous, we have peace with God. God did not just forgive us our sins. He gave us Christ's righteousness, and therefore we have peace with God. Think about how awesome it is to have peace with someone. There's a app you can get, application app, I guess you call it app, on Roku or on probably Amazon Fire Stick or on your phone. It's called History Vault. And I found out about it a year ago, and it has old History Channel documentaries. Going back to the early 90s or whenever the History Channel was, was formed. And so I got a free trial and then canceled it after the free trial ended. And then eventually got it again then canceled it. And eventually they said $50 for the whole year. And I thought, okay, I'll do that because it has a lot of good old documentaries on it. And I watched uh, a few of them. And then I started this past week the Civil War Journal. The Civil War Journal came out in the early 90s. I think this is 1996. And, and I watched one um, in parts. You know, you start it, then pause it because you're falling asleep. And then you start it again. That's at least how I do it. And so I watched one about Robert E. Lee in parts. Robert E. Lee. Maybe you've heard of him. You know, he, he led the South during the Civil War. In fact, if you, you probably know this, uh, at the beginning of the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, President Lincoln said, would you be willing to lead the troops uh, during the Civil during this war, and Robert E. Lee said, I cannot leave my beloved Virginia, and so he ended up taking a part with the Confederate Army and then leading, you know, the main army of the Confederates, and he kept winning battle after battle after battle until U.S. Grant, and once U.S. Grant came along, and U.S. Grant kept winning battles on the Western Front, he, but he hadn't really been tried on the Eastern Front yet. It's funny because people would spread rumors about U.S. Grant, and they would say, oh, he's just a drunk. And Lincoln would say, if he wins battles, I'll help him on his horse because they were happy that he would fight, and the other generals wouldn't fight. You know? And eventually they bring Grant to the East, and Grant had a lot of troubles going against General Robert E. Lee. But eventually he did. Grant kept fighting and kept pushing and kept pushing and wouldn't give up. And eventually they corner Robert E. Lee and they win the war. Eventually, before the war was actually ended, Robert E. Lee and General, General U.S. Grant were sending messages to each other. Interesting, they were sending messages, they were sending messages overnight. They're getting messages at 4 a.m. So I guess it was like Twitter for that day, right? You know, there are these generals tweeting each other. And although the messages were being sent by dispatch, you know, through a horseman riding overnight. And eventually they settle on a place and time and they meet. And General Grant was suffering from a migraine, actually. And he goes and rides. And he goes to meet Robert E. Lee. And several of you might know the story. Robert E. Lee is in his best military uniform. He's like six foot tall, and he would dress the part of a military general. He's got a military sword on his side, and he's in his best uniform. And Grant goes in, and Grant is wearing a private's uniform. His uniform is muddy from the ride over. He had lieutenant general bars on his shoulders because he was the first lieutenant general since General George Washington. It was an act of Congress to make him lieutenant general. So he had that, but the uniforms were, you know, contrasting. Where they meet. And in that meeting, and this is the reason I share this whole story, in that meeting, the North and the South began the reconciliation process, which obviously took much time. 
But some things that General Grant did well in Abraham Lincoln, this was President Lincoln's genius, was they told, what do you want the Confederate soldiers to do? And they would say, put down their guns and go home. They had to have a plan not to ever take part in an insurrection against the North again, take down their guns and go home. For the officers, they were allowed to keep their mount, I think they called it, I would say that's their horse, and their guns. And they were even allowed to keep them, take them down and go home because they wanted to reconcile relationships between the North and the South. They wanted to bring peace to the United States of America again, and they knew to do that, they have to allow certain things. As Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant walked out of the home where they met, the northern troops saluted Robert E. Lee. And even U.S. Grant gave him a salute before he went on his way. That's peace, reconciliation, right? Two groups at war, a horrible war, fighting with each other, killing each other by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands, and they begin the process of reconciliation. We have peace with God in that way. Where two warring parties, where two warring parties can be at peace, can have communication. Although the difference between the North and the South, the great difference, is that God does not need peace with us. We need peace with God. We violated God's standard. As a consequence of our sins, we were at war with God. But as a consequence of Christ's death and resurrection, we are at peace with God. And that is just awesome. Amen? To have peace with God, to be able to go boldly to the throne of grace, to be able to sing worship songs to God, to be able to go to God without a blood sacrifice or a certain human mediator besides Jesus, who is fully human and fully God, who's our ultimate mediator. We have peace with God. We can go to God. We are reconciled with God. We have so many benefits because of our justification. Our salvation is complete. We have peace with God. And that is more powerful than you or I can ever understand. And I believe that peace with God goes along with reconciliation. So let's continue this. We have assurance of our salvation too. If you look at Romans chapter 5, the passage we're in, if you look at verses 4 and 5, I want to reread verses 4 and 5. It reads, uh, I'm going to start at verse 3 again. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Get that. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Last night we sang a song. I don't know if it's written by Keith and Kristen Getty or if they just lead it. Uh, Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life in me. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. The Holy Spirit, part of the verses, part of the words of that song talks about the same power that Jesus had. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead that lives within us as Christians. The same power that resurrected our Lord Jesus lives within us. The same power that, 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 that Jesus did the miracles with, you know, turned water into wine and walked on water and, and fed the 5,000 and raised Lazarus to life. That same power that all came from the Holy Spirit and it lives within us as Christians. And the power of the Holy Spirit gives us assurance of our salvation. We have assurance of our salvation. We have hope. This hope comes in two ways. First, our hope comes through our sufferings. Verses 2 through 4 are written about how suffering builds us up. 
Now, nobody wants to suffer, right? Nobody plans suffering. Nobody thinks about that. But many times after we go through difficult times, we can look back upon them and think, wow, God really taught me a lot. I learned a lot. And this suffering in verses 2 through 4 is not suffering because your dog ran away or you lost your house or something like that. Those are life problems and they are really, really difficult uh, depending on what it is. But this is suffering for Christ specifically. This is persecution. I think Paul, the apostle inspired by God, is talking about persecution right here. Suffering through persecution for your faith. This has to do with people in the Middle East who are Christians, and because of their Christianity, they lose their homes. Because of their Christianity, they lose their jobs. Because of their Christianity, their their churches are burnt down. They are suffering for Christ. The hope that we see is, the hope that we have is that we see how Christ has taken care of us in the past, and we are encouraged knowing he will take care of us in the future. Right? We know God's had our back. God's been with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's got to be with us in the future too. And that's what we see here. This happened before and Christ took care of me. Christ is going to take care of me again. Secondly, our hope, our assurance is from the Holy Spirit. It says that right here. God's love dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. And this is a big deal. We must remember, as I just emphasized, that the power of the Holy Spirit resides in us. So a Christian has assurance from God. We have assurance from God. In verses 6 or 11... Paul expands on what he has written about in a nice, concise way. In verses 6 through 8, here's a summary. Verses 6 through 8. We aren't good, and we aren't righteous, yet Christ died for us. We aren't good, we aren't righteous, yet Christ died for us. Verses 9 through 11. We have been justified, declared righteous by Jesus' blood. We've been saved from his wrath. That is reconciliation. God's wrath is poured out on sin. But we've been saved from his wrath. And that is reconciliation. We are saved by Jesus' life. That is his death and resurrection. Verse 11. Rejoice. We are to rejoice because of this complete salvation. This means we can sing songs of praise. We can worship the Lord as we've already done and will do again. We can boast. Not about us. But about the Lord. We can boast about the Lord's goodness. Verse 11 is all about reconciliation with God. Verse 11. All about reconciliation with God. He says, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In these 11 verses, every time I see that verb to justify, that's a verb. A verb means it's an action word. Every time I see that verb, I also see Paul talking about reconciliation. In verse 1, Paul is talking about how we have peace with God. And then in verse 9, Paul is talking about how we are saved from God's wrath. That is really what reconciliation is. Simply put, to reconcile means to restore friendship or harmony. We have friendship or harmony restored with God. The North and the South were able to restore friendship or harmony after the Civil War. Some of them them were eager to do it, some of them not so eager. But they were able to do that because they were reconciled. Peace. In Genesis, Adam walked with God in the Garden of Eden, 
as friends. But then sin came. And this sin separated Adam from God. This sin separates us all from God. But we are now reconciled with God. God has peace with us. The dispute is gone. God had a dispute with us. He had a rightful dispute with us. We had offended him in a biblical sense. We have offended God's holy law. Verse 6 says that we were ungodly when Jesus died for us. Ungodly. Verse 8 says that, that, we were st- that, that, that we are still sinners when Christ died for us. Verse 10 says because of this we were enemies of God. Ungodly sinners. Enemies. Ungodly, sinners, enemies. We needed reconciliation. We needed to be reconciled to God. We had offended him. We still offend him. We had and still do cross his perfect law. But God wanted a relationship with us. We sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and rise again. And our sins are wiped away. And we are justified. He gives us his righteousness. And we are restored. Many of you know of the hymn Amazing Grace. We just... Saying a rendition of it, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. The hymn was written by John Newton. Many of you might know John Newton. John Newton ran a ship of the slave trade. He ran a slave trade ship during his younger years. After he became a Christian, he was convicted of this, convicted of the brutality and the inhumane treatment of the slave trade which he was a part of. John Newton appreciated salvation because he was convicted of the slave trade ships that he captained in his younger days. This conviction and appreciation came out in his hymns. In this passage, in Romans, Paul shows that our salvation is complete because of the process of justification and reconciliation. This passage also gives us assurance of our salvation. And I hope we all realize how desperate we were, how badly we needed salvation. Then I hope we are challenged to rejoice with Paul in our great salvation. In Romans 1, Paul went to great lengths to show how bad humans can be without Christ. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And you may say that is not you, but we have Romans 2.1. Romans chapter 2 verse 1, you therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We couldn't be reconciled to God without being justified. However... Reconciliation naturally follows justification. Those are two theological terms. To be justified, declared righteous, and then reconciliation naturally follows. Once we are declared righteous, we can have peace with God. We can be reconciled to God. Hebrews 4.16 Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence. We can approach God with confidence because of reconciliation. Psalm 103.12 Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's justification. Let's apply this. Are you living as free? Are you living as though you are forgiven by Christ? Not only that, are you living with an understanding That you are pure to God. That you are righteous in God's sight. Are you living knowing that you can approach God's throne without a regular human mediator? We do have Jesus as our great human mediator, but we don't need 
another human mediator. You can go right to the throne of grace. You can go right to God. Now, God uses pastors and counselors and Christian friends, but we can go right to the throne of God because we are reconciled. Are you living that way? Or are you trying to earn your salvation? Do you feel like you can't approach God? Do you have a a secret sin? Confess your sins to God. Accept God's forgiveness and know that you are forgiven. Know that you are more than forgiven. You are pure. You are righteous. You are reconciled to God. Your relationship with God was broken, but it is restored. Many times we get our self-worth for trying to please people and trying to do things. Trouble is, we can never do enough to earn our salvation and make things right with God. But Jesus did it for us. Jesus stepped in. Jesus paid it all. Jesus has accomplished what we couldn't accomplish. Lean on him. Stop trying by yourself. Lean on Jesus. Then Jesus will give you the assurance of your salvation. Our salvation is complete. Forgiven? Our sins are forgiven. Our debt is paid by Jesus. Justified, we are righteous in God's sight. Reconciled, there is no longer a barrier between us and God. We have peace with God. Again, back to our example of John Newton. John Newton, writer of Amazing Grace. Recall that John Newton was in charge of a slave ship in his younger years. John Newton was saved He was justified. This means he was seen as pure in God's sight. And he was reconciled to God. So there was no no dividing wall between him and God. Throughout Newton's years in ministry, God's amazing grace remained central to Newton's thinking. When it was suggested that he retire at age 82, due to poor health and a failing memory, John Newton responded with this. He said, and I quote, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things. That I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. Love it. I am a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Think about those words. Our salvation is complete, but not complete by what you do, but what Jesus has done. Having faith to believe in Jesus, accept his forgiveness and commit to him gives you complete salvation. That means you're forgiven of your sins. You're justified, declared righteous by God. You're reconciled to God, no longer being enemies. You have peace with God. You receive the Holy Spirit and you have assurance of your salvation. There's an old hymn by John Newton. An old hymn by John Newton. It's called Approach My Soul, the Mercy Seat. Listen to this. Approach my soul, the mercy seat, where Jesus answers prayer. There humbly fall before his feet, for none can perish there. Thy promise is my only plea. With this I venture nigh. Thou callest burdened souls to thee, and such, O Lord, am I. Bowed down beneath a load of sin by Satan sorely pressed. Isn't that right? Satan sorely presses us. By war without and fears within, I come to thee for rest. We come to God for rest. Be thou my shield and hiding place, that sheltered by thy side. I may my fierce accuser face and tell him thou hast died. A wondrous love to bleed and die, to bear the cross and shame, that guilty sinners such as I might plead thy gracious name. For tempest-tossed soul, be still, my promised grace receive. 
to as Jesus speaks, I must, I will, I can, I do believe, and hopefully we do too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the mercy seat. I thank you, Lord God, that Jesus died in our place. He took our place on the cross, died in our place. And I thank you, Lord God, that we can accept his free gift of salvation. We can confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. Believe in Jesus as the one and only Savior. Trust in him and commit to him. Lord God, if anyone is here who has not surrendered to you, may today be the day of salvation. To confess, believe, trust, and commit. Lord God, help us all repent of sins. Help us all to believe in you as the one and only Savior. Help us all to trust in you and commit to you. And when doing so, help us to know we have peace with you. We are reconciled because of your blood, Jesus, on the cross. Lord God, I pray that you would encourage us as we go. Encourage us by this peace that we have with you, with God Almighty, peace, reconciliation. Encourage us by the awesome truth that we can come to you in prayer. We can approach the mercy seat. We can come boldly to the throne of grace. Encourage us by the Holy Spirit who resides in us and with us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I invite you, if you have any, if the Lord has any burdens on you, our altars are open. You're always to come forward and you're always uh, able to come forward and pray if you would like. You can bring somebody up to pray with you if you want. Uh, also, of course, you can always pray at your seat. Even after the service ends, you can pray. If there's anything I can do to help you in your spiritual walk, always let me know. If you have doubts, I'm glad to help you. Whether you're a Christian or even if you're militantly against Christianity, if you have questions, I'd love to talk about those things. I invite the closing, um, the praise team for the closing song. Amen.